Uh, we are, uh, we're in a series that we're calling Gospel Fueled, and uh, this series is going to take us all the way up to, um, all the way up to Easter, and uh, I'm excited about this one. We started it last week, and uh, it's going to be a good conversation. Um, if, if you spent any time in or around church, uh, I would say most of us have in, in our in our lifetime, uh, typically you'll find that the continual focus and uh, the, the, the topic of conversations in a church is usually what we're meant to be doing or not doing as followers of Christ. And so, in other words, our activities and our, 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 our moral kind of obligations and our duties that's usually the topic of conversation, and, 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 and somewhere it comes up in every message. This is what you're supposed to do, and this is what you're supposed to not be doing. And so usually we even like, we, we get the points. We love points, and I, I hate to say this, but my messages are usually pointless, and I apologize for that, but we like the points of give me one, two, three, here's ten ways, here's five ways, and it usually comes down to mind of the bargain what I bring to the table, what I'm supposed to be doing. And, uh, and truthfully, we love that. Um, the best-selling books in, in any bookstore, Christian or otherwise, are always self-help books. And uh, make your best life now and all that. It's, it's just make it happen. Grab yourself by the bootstraps. Go for it. Make, it make, make God proud. Get out there and make God proud. And there's something in us that really loves that. And uh, we love the, the conversation, our end of the bargain, because we like, honestly, we like talking about us. <laughs> and we like for the ball to be in our court. I remember somewhere in my early 20s, um, I got this picture, and I remember it distinctly, just listening to messages, just trying to get a, a bearing on, on God and ministry and all that stuff. I was getting into ministry, and I remember getting this mental image of God as this picture of, of someone laying down a challenge. It was like God was double-dog daring us. And uh, there was this amazing picture of God laying down a challenge, then sitting back and, and, and crossing his arms and just waiting to see if I could meet the challenge. And that's sort of the picture I painted uh, God as, is just someone laying down the gauntlet and, um, and seeing if I could meet the challenge, rise to the occasion, or fail trying. There is a, uh, 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 I guess, a, a limerick, uh, a poem, a, a sonnet, I don't know what to call it, but I read this many, many years ago, and uh, I thought about it this week. It's credited to a hymnist by the name of John Barrage, and, and uh, it's called Run, John, Run. And it says this, Run, John, run, the law commands, but give, gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. Um, God does not send us on our way with a checklist. That's not what he does. That's not who he is. In fact, that, that characterizes the law of Moses. And the law of Moses was fulfilled. It was done away with because God fulfilled it himself. It's 
folded up, it is put on the bookshelf, it is finished. Uh, When Jesus shouted from the cross, it is finished. That's what he's talking about. He fulfilled the law perfectly and credits that performance to all of us. So life by law is life by rules, checklists, moralism, moral obligation. It's all about me. The law is entirely about me. The gospel is 100% about Jesus. That's the shift. It's moving from a life centered on me and moving to a life focused on Jesus. Have you ever wondered why church people tend to be kind of ornery and a little mean and a lot impatient and incredibly judgmental? And is there other adjectives I could add? I, I, I don't dislike them. I love them. And I think I don't want to become, uh, I don't want to become hateful towards church people. But uh, my experience is that I got beat up pretty bad in the church. And I got dogpiled and beat down. And I'm still limping from my experiences in ministry and in the church. Uh, it can get ugly. And you, under, you, you start to wonder why. It's like, wh- why are we so hateful? And you get on social media. It's like, why are Christians just so quick to point the finger? Well, because most of us, have, are living by the wrong fuel. And the wrong fuel is a life centered on self, which is a life always comparing and contrasting. And our blind spot happens to be ourself. So I think I'm pulling this thing off, but I'm very quick to notice everybody else failing miserably, if that makes sense. God does not empower that in us. We're meant to live by the gospel, which is a life centered, focused on Christ. In fact, Romans 11 ends as it sets up Romans chapter 12, which says that we should be not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What sets that up is the end of Romans 11, which says everything is from Jesus, through Jesus, and to Jesus, all for his glory. That is a very important uh, focus for us, is that everything's from, through, and to Him. It is not me. I'm not the point. I'm not the focus. Last week, we, uh, we kicked off this series in 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to go back there today. Uh, this is the chapter of love. This is the Apostle Paul talking about the importance and significance of love in our lives describing love, well, God is love, so he's describing God at the same time, and so uh, this is how that chapter begins, and uh, we'll look at starting chapter 1, or uh, chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I know all mysteries, all knowledge, if I have all faith, So as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned or martyred, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. In other words, I don't get the reward, I don't get the payoff, because the motivation and the reason behind what I did didn't match up with the reason and the motivation of God. In the first three verses of this chapter, The Apostle Paul is putting everything in its proper perspective. 
This is not, these are not throwaway scriptures or throwaway verses. This is not something to skip over into get into love is patient, love is kind. That's the part we remember. But we jump over this, we gloss over this, or we tend to. But he's, he's contrasting two things. He's contrasting the, the fruit of behavior with the root of our motivation, which uh, more accurately, I would put it this way, the root of our belief. So he's talking about the difference between the fruit of behavior and the root of our belief. Our culture, as I talked about last week, tends to be extremely results-oriented. We, we can only really see the outside anyway. It's what we read last week in, in 1 Samuel. That we can, man sees the outside, judges the outside. We can only see what we can see. And, and so we're pretty critical of the outside. And so we, we get pretty, uh, pretty acclimated to judging and criticizing what we see, what we can notice, and our opinions about those things. And so man can only see the outside. And so it tends to be what we value in what we judge, in what we criticize. Bob Goff uh, once pointed this observation out. This is something he saw in Scripture, and Bob Goff's an amazing author and speaker, and, and he noticed this in, in, in reading the New Testament and in the Gospels. He says, every single time the disciples asked about believing or uh, behaving better, every single time the disciples brought up to Jesus uh, about doing, behaving Jesus, he, uh, he talked about believing more. It was a complete redirection. So every single time, you'll notice this in the Gospels, the, the, the disciples start talking about doing or behaving, and Jesus always moves the focus back to believing. In fact, famously, the disciples asked Jesus, what can we do in order to work the works of God? It's a great question. And it's one that maybe all of us should ask at some point. If we're really serious about this, if we're not just casually checking the church box every once in a while, just trying to keep our Christian membership active, if we're actually serious about living for more than just this, if we're actually serious about connecting with the living God and living for Him on purpose, prioritizing Jesus, if we're really serious about this, then the question has to be asked, what do we do now? I shared this, uh, maybe, I, I guess I shared this last week, I can't remember, but um, I was uh, preaching at a friend's church, and, and I ended the message with, uh, with this statement. I want to give you guys your job description. I thought they were going to come out of their chairs. They started doing the wave. Not really, but it was like a, a, a audible, yes! Because we love that, we need that. Just give me the job description. I would say there's something righteous and holy about that desire. But then we're, we're, then we get the job description from Jesus himself. The guys got out their little, their tablets, not their iPads, but chisel and and so they're ready to, to start putting down the list, right? So they're like, okay, here we go. What's number one? So they, what, what do we do to work the works of God? And, and, and Jesus is like, okay, guys, get ready for this. Believe. And he says, believe in him who he has sent. Put your belief, put your faith in me. That was the end of the conversation. 
Can you imagine? What do we do the works the works of God? And Jesus says, believe in me. In other words, trust me that I've done all the work. What do we do? Trust me that I've done it all. What's our effort? What's our, what's our, what's our career? Trust that I'm, I, I am who I say I am. I'm, I've done what I've said I came to do. Believe. It's very difficult to wrap our minds around that being work, but then you try to live and walk by faith, and you're like, this is work. Mortal words of the great Riri, work, 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 work. The, the, if you are uh, noticing, spring has sprung. It's beautiful. Love it. Today's gorgeous. My wife and I put pine straw on our little... Uh, uh, flower bed yesterday per the suggestion of the great Darlene. Thanks for the, the tip, Darlene. Thank you. We give you all the credit. We named our flower bed Darlene and uh, after you. But we, we, uh, we were putting pine straw out and, and you just know the birds are singing and, and life is, is beautiful. I love it. Springtime's awesome. And you're seeing growth and things bloom. And, uh, and I'm noticing we have this beautiful uh, cherry blossom tree in our yard that is gorgeous for like 38 minutes. And then it's all in my truck bed, and, and then i got to deal with that. But it's my favorite thing in the world is every year around this time, it blooms, and honeybees just cover it. And you hear, every time you get near it, you hear this, like, this, this loud buzz. And I'll take a lawn chair and just sit underneath it, and I'm telling you, my blood pressure just lowers. It's beautiful. It's a cool thing. But uh, this tree is, is, we had a storm, obviously, the other night, and I never worry about it. It's a strong tree because it's got it's got strong roots it's 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 a good beautiful strong tree and uh it now this cherry blossom doesn't give me cherries but some cherry trees do and if you ever get around fruit trees you you can you can you notice that you can tell if the tree is healthy or not by the fact that it's bearing fruit you know a tree's dead when there's no leaves no fruit happening you can tell, especially around springtime. You're like, that one didn't make it. The health of a tree can be observed by looking at the fruit. That is really what the fruit of behavior demonstrates. The fruit of behavior, the fruit of morality, the fruit of what we do is a demonstration of the roots of our belief. James chapter 2 says that faith without works is dead. It's not saying that we invigorate our faith by working. It's saying that the fruit on the tree to show us that we're believing is good works. What we tend to do is we try our best to fix the health of a tree by performing surgery on the fruit. We take the fruit and we address the fruit and this is, we're all fixers and, and conformists, and so we go around and we start getting in people's face about their, the fruit of their behavior, or the lack of fruit. Like, what are you doing, man? And we start going after the fruit of behavior, but really it's all about the root of belief. You're just seeing the fruit of it. This is why Jesus always direct, redirected the disciples. Guys, we've got to talk about your belief. What are you believing? People undervalue the gospel because it gets to the root of belief all the time. And they're like, what about the stuff, though? What do we do? Work, 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 work. I want to shine bright like a diamond. That's enough. I'm sorry. It's like the halftime show. 
The fruit of behavior is determined by the root of belief. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is talking about incredible fruits of behavior. Incredible, remarkable. These are not entry-level Christianity things. And what the Apostle Paul is, is demonstrating is that we've got to consider what we believe. What is causing this? He's, 1 Corinthians 13 is way more about understanding before we even get to the qualities, the aspects of, the, of love. He, he's talking about, we've got to talk about the cause even more so than the effect. If God has our heart, then God has everything. What so much of Christianity is, is taping fruit to the tree and trying to fake it till we make it. God is after your heart, not just your Christian activity. He is not extending a checklist to you and saying, make sure you, 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 you clean your room, you wash the dishes, you take out the trash. This is not chores. He wants us. If he has us, then we start to look, live, and love like him. Ephesians chapter 3. The book of Ephesians is probably, if not my favorite, one of my favorite books of the Bible. It is glorious. Uh, This chapter is incredible. Chapter 3. I want to read verses 14 through 19. This is the Apostle Paul. And he makes this declaration, I bow my knees before the Father from whom, every, uh, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, its identity. Uh, we are uh, part of the family of faith. We're not just individuals. We're part of something greater. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. There's a lot here, but the main thing I want to point out is that the goal in all of this, is that we would be rooted and grounded in His love. Everything else that that the Apostle Paul talks about surrounding this, supernaturally strengthened to do what He's called us to do, supernaturally able to comprehend His love for us, supernaturally filled up with all the fullness of God, meaning lacking nothing. All of that is a product of having our roots deep and His love and care for us. All of it. None of it is a fruit of you reading the right books. It's not you. In fact, if, if you were going to think that this is mental ascent and just me getting more information, Paul even mentions that in here and says, listen, this is love that surpasses your knowledge. You can't figure this out. God loves you. He died for you. Figure that out. It is something deeper, it is something greater, and it has to do with the roots of our faith going deep into the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. The law of God was given to humanity after this declaration. 
The Israelites wandering in the desert had had enough of trusting God and walking blind and not being in control. So they, they said, listen, whatever God asks us to do, we can surely do. It was a statement of, say, it was a statement of autonomy to say, give me the checklist and let us just do this in our own time and our own pace. It was man taking the ball into his own court. So God graciously obliged. And then God gave the Ten Commandments and said, do that. Just be perfect. Heart, mind, intention, motivation, action, everything. Whatever you ask of us, we can surely do. That is the beginning of the law. The beginning of the gospel. The beginning of grace. God gives grace to the humble. So the, the declaration before grace is not whatever you ask of us, we can surely do. The declaration in receiving grace is whatever you ask of us, we surely can't do. Never, ever. Humility. That is the radio frequency where we get in here and receive grace. We tune into grace by way of humility. God gives grace to the humble. Grace is unnecessary for people that think they're pulling this off. The, the people that think that religiously they got their acts together and they got all this free time, having done everything well and leveled up, they've got all this free time to judge and criticize other people's sin. I hate sin. I despise sin. I loathe it. I don't have any tolerance for sin. But the sin that I'm talking about is my own. I've got enough problem dealing with my own sin than to step back and start judging you for yours. There's a great author that once said, if, if, other, if our sin bothered us half as bad as other people's, I hate my sin. But the truth is, can I even overcome my own sin by myself? The Bible says that law, the law, which is me doing it, was given that sin might increase. That sounds counterproductive. So me... If you want to ensure that we're not getting better, obsess over getting better. If you want to make sure that we're not getting better and growing, obsess. Put the focus on getting better and growing. Make this about you instead of fixing your eyes on Him. It's the law versus the gospel. God gives grace to the humble. And a humble heart says, whatever you ask of us, there's no way... It is a snowball's chance in Phoenix, Arizona that we're going to do this in our own strength. The most well-known verse in all of the Bible, we know this, people paint this on their chest at football games, John 3.16. We all know it. We can probably recite it by heart if we want to. Ready? For God... Oh, it's up on the screen. You're cheating. Close your eyes. For God so loved the world... I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. That he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but experience everlasting life. Everything good in our lives, everything that is good, everything that is right, everything that is holy, everything that is beautiful, it begins right here. 
everything begins with what God has done for us. What God through Christ, the good news of what God through Christ has done for us, everything that is beautiful, everything that is right, and everything that is forever, everything that is eternal begins right here. This is the starting point. For God so loved us that He gave His Son to die for us. And that move of God giving His own Son was 100% motivated by love. The the Bible is clear here. The, The reason, the motivation, the root behind the fruit is love. Love is the reason. Love is the cause. Love is... Love is the starting point. Love is the motivation. Love is why God created you. He made you to love you. He didn't make you to perform for Him. He didn't make you to to check boxes for Him. He made you so that He could love you. And then He loves you so much that He didn't stop there. He made you so that He could love you. And then He loved you so much that He gave His own Son so that He could be with you forever. That's love. It's the reason God gave Jesus. So that He could spend eternity with you. Love motivated the heart of God and love continues to move the heart of God towards us and that is who God is. God is love. If He has our heart, if He has captured us, the Bible says we didn't choose Him, He chose us. If God has captured, if the hounds of heaven have chased us down because we're all Jonah and we all run the wrong way, we're all Hosea and we all step out. And if God continually loves us enough to chase us down, to recapture our hearts, if He has our hearts, if our hearts are connected, then we will be moved by what God is moved by. What moves the heart of God moves the heart of man. Two scriptures real quick, they go together. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. Let that be the motivation and the reason behind absolutely everything. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, the love of God controls us. Another translation says it compels us. It is the wind that is in our sails that pushes us forward. Trusting and believing and knowing God's love causes all things to go. That's the gospel. For God so loves you that he gave everything for you. We'll continue this conversation next week specifically about love, but I want to close with this. Everything is from, through, and to him. In other words, the why is even more important than the what. The why is even more important than the what, but it's, it's, it's all fueled by the who. This all comes down to who is our king, who is our God, who is our Lord, who is in, who is in control, who is this for, who is this from, To whose glory is this? Mr. Rogers, whom I quote a lot, and I do not apologize for it, 
you're just lucky I don't get up here and talk with puppets. I might. Um, he says that, that what this world offers is shallow and complicated. But what we're meant for, what we're designed to be, is deep and it's simple. A life that is shallow and complicated is a life that is caught up and obsessed with all the trivial nonsense of this world. If it is more important to put your face into a screen than it is to love the person next to you and serve them, we're missing it. If it's more important than what you're wearing, what you're looking like, than loving the people around you and serving them, then we're missing it. If you put more thought and more contemplation into Amazon Prime than you do loving and serving your neighbor, then we're missing it. And I'm not here to beat you up for the fruit of your life. I'm up here to tell you Jesus is far better. And it will move your heart. And it will compel you to do things that you never even thought about. And not for the glory, not for the, not for the likes, not to be noticed, simply because it is who we are. It is how we're made to be. To be fueled by the right who is to be rooted and grounded in something deeper than just this world. In that equation, the who drives the why. The why drives the what. In that equation, the most important place to put our focus, the most important thing to keep our attention on, the the one thing that we're really in charge of locking in our eyes is this, Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 and 3, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. The whole focus, the whole attention of our life is Jesus. Now, where does the gospel fit into all of this? Simple. The gospel is what points us to Jesus. If the goal is to fix our eyes on Jesus, if that's the point, the gospel is what points us to Jesus continually. In fact, I would put it this way. Our faith, our belief, which we all believe in something. Atheists believe in something. They have to have faith that there is no God. Faith in God leaks. I used to go to Showbiz Pizza when I was a kid, which was the greatest place ever in the history of man ever. It was so great. It's Chuck E. Cheese, but less gross and less stupid. Better games, better band, the Rock of Fire Explosion, still my favorite band of all times. Uh, the animatronic, you know, creepy. Um, there was a, at Showbiz here in Chattanooga, there was a balloon machine. It was automated. That you picked the character, and then uh, that balloon would blow up right in the machine, and then it, you'd give it to you. And it was a helium balloon. It was awesome. And I remember getting those almost every time. i take it home, and in the morning which was once Billy Bob floating high so the world could see, was now on the ground. 
Because helium leaks in the same way that faith leaks. Faith, even though you can't see it, even though you don't notice it, continues to leak. And before you know it, what we're building our life on, what we're building our opinion on, what we're building how we feel on, our thoughts on, is what the news says, what popular opinion is, what the group think is, what the lemmings are are doing. Uh, you, You just start following suit. Instead of being driven and, and, and motivated and fueled by something greater, something more eternal, something that is right. This is why we need the gospel continually. Martin Luther said this. He said, I preach the gospel to my people every week because they forget it every week. And I preach the gospel to myself every day because I forget it every day. To be a part of a gospel community is to be committed to the, the, the value of the gospel and to say, I need it continually because I forget it continually. And I have to be reminded, I have to have my eyes refixed on Jesus because I tend to look at the wrong place a lot. My, my focus starts going to me like that. Yeah, but me. Well, listen. God loves you more than you love you. If you really want your life to be lifted, if you really want fulfillment in your life, then you're going to fix your eyes on the right, on the prize. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author. He's the perfecter. He's the finisher. Consider him. He's endured everything. For God so loved you, he died for you. We have to have the gospel. And may the gospel drive and fuel everything that we do.